Well, as I'm sitting over there and we're finishing up that last song, I realized that the sermon that I had tucked into my Bible was from this morning, and I left my sermon for tonight in the car. Uh, But rather than running out there, what I want to do so that I'm not so dependent and reliant on the notes, we're just going to let the text guide us tonight. I'm going to look at the same text, and we'll just walk through it together, okay? Um, Look, as scared as you are, I'm I'm even more terrified, all right? So uh, we'll just walk through this together. But um, it could be worse. You know, I... um, I've done this one other time. I did this uh, when I pastored in Spartanburg, and I came out and uh, uh, I came out of a deacons meeting, same situation, and uh, realized in the deacons meeting, with about 15 minutes or 10 minutes, I think, to go till the service started, I had left my sermon, didn't know where it was. So I said, "Guys, I've got to go. I'll be here for the service." And I took off and I drove home, with 10 minutes to the service starting. Went through the house, looked for it, couldn't find it at all drove back, came in, the minister of music finished up the singing, and he said, uh, we were about to call it. You know, in, in college, he said, when the professor's 10 minutes late, class is over. So we were about to call it, and I was like nine minutes in, you know. And, and uh, so I just took questions that night, which turned out to be a pretty good night. But I think, I think tonight we'll just let the text guide us as we walk through. Uh, we've, over the past few weeks, two weeks ago on Sunday morning, um, The text in Mark, uh, tonight we're in Ephesians 5, but in Mark, uh, we dealt with the issue of divorce. And uh, and then this morning, we dealt with the issue of children, or the topic of children. And in keeping with that, and really in keeping with what I said this morning, as far as we've got to do more than rely on programs and personalities and those sort of things, we've got to be very intentional about building biblical, gospel-centered families, tonight I want to look at how a husband should love his wife. Now, some of you will be here tonight and you'll say, uh, you know, I'm not a husband. Well, if you're a wife, I've already seen some wives just in this crowd tonight when I announced that husbands should love their wives, they elbowed their husbands. So if you're a wife, you know, tell your husband to listen up. You say, well, I'm not a wife or a husband. Well, the, the picture of marriage was given to us really to illustrate God himself. And so as we look at how a husband should love a wife, let us remember that this is how Christ has loved the church. Okay, so if you're neither husband nor wife, nor anywhere close, it's still for you. Amen? Amen. Family is is very important. I got to spend uh, some pretty good time with my family while we were at the beach. I turned 37 years old while we were at the beach, and uh, the night that I turned 37 years old, we went out and we went to a place and we got some cake, and uh, up on the counter were these boxes of candles for sale, and my kids were going to surprise me, and Lana, they were going to buy a box of candles and just have them all on this one piece of cake, 37, when I got to the table. When I got to the table, they were all just dying laughing. I said, what in the world is is going on? They said, Dad, we were going to put candles on your cake, but... They only come 36 to a box. And they thought it was hilarious that now I'm the two-box category, you know. So anyway, family time is great. And one of the great, greatest things that we can do as a church, as husbands, being intentional about raising godly families is for husbands to love their wives. 
starts there. It starts with the husband leading out in this. I got to tell you, as I studied, one of the reasons that I'm I'm not confident in the text tonight, but I'm not not panicking because I don't have my notes, is because when I studied this, God just rocked me this week. God rocked me to the point where I came in from studying and I had to go to my wife and I looked my wife in the eyes and I said, I need to ask you to forgive me because I have not loved you the way that I should love you. I have not served you like Christ has served me and I need you to forgive me. And um, she kind of fell on the floor and I had to pick her up, you know, and, and all of that, you know. But I got a text just a minute ago in, in the deacons meeting and it was a text from my wife and she said I love you so much and I'm so thankful that you are my husband and so that's what it's about it's not about the sentimental sappy stuff it's about us coming to the text of scripture and saying what are we supposed to be admitting when we are not that praying for God's grace to help us be that and then doing it together and watching God transform us. So let's look at this text tonight. Let me read it, and then we'll walk through it together. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one, has, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let's pray together, and we'll walk through this. God, tonight I come with just your word. God, I pray that you would guide us through this. Keep me from saying anything that is contrary to your text. God, I pray that you would... Help us to key in on and understand. Let the Spirit be our teacher of those things that you would have us to remember tonight. I pray this in utter confidence in Him and Your Word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Four things, at least, that I want to show you tonight about the way a husband should love his wife. Number one, the text says that a husband's love for his wife should be sacrificial. It should be sacrificial. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, um, you don't have to be a theological scholar to understand what that's talking about. That Christ loved the church, how? By dying on the cross. We've talked in... Uh, for past few Wednesday nights and hear about the suffering of Christ. And one of the things we said was it was suffering for him to go to the cross. It was suffering for him to bear the sin of the world. It was suffering for him to turn, have the Father turn away from him. But even before that, it was suffering for him even to come. I mean, can you imagine putting up with those disciples? You know, those guys that were constantly, I mean, he was teaching them all these 
great things, all these things straight from the heart of God, and on their way from one location to the, to the next, they're going, well, yeah, I'm, I'm better than you. you know, No, you're not. I'm better than you. I mean, they're just imbeciles. And there had to have been times if Jesus would have let his humanity just take over, there had to have been times where Jesus said, that's it, I'm out of here. You guys are idiots. You know, I mean, don't you think? But yet he loved them. He loved them dearly. Think about how he loved those that he came to save. Think about when he was passing through Samaritan country, when no one else wanted to go there. Passing through and talked with people who nobody else wanted to talk to. Touched lepers. You didn't do that. Number one, you didn't know if you might catch what they had. But number two, ceremonially, it was just unclean. You just didn't do it. You think about all the things that Christ did that took an act of his will to do sacrificially. And, and then you translate that, you transfer that to husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I got to tell you, there are mornings when I wake up and I don't go, I want to love my wife today. Now there's mornings that I do wake up like that. There's days when I do wake up and I'm so thankful for her. And I so love her all kinds of different things about her, but there are some days when I say, I need a break. And I'm just being transparent. And I can say that because she's not here, okay? <laughs> but, but let's be honest. Those of you who are married, those of you who have had any kind of relationship at all, you understand that's, that's what it's like sometimes. Sometimes you just don't feel like loving one another. Um, my wife, you never have to worry about what my wife is thinking. She'll tell you, all right? She's straightforward as all get out, and it's one of the greatest things that I love about her. But there are some times when it's one of the things that I despise about her. There are times when I come out of a service after preaching my heart out, and I'll come into the car, and she's just silent. And I'm just waiting for some affirmation. Preachers in the room know that, that we kind of we look for a little bit of affirmation there, and our wives tend to sometimes give it to us. And there's times when she's just silent. And I'll finally fish for something, and I'll say, what would you think about today? And she'll say, well, you know. <laughs> and, and I know that it's everything in her because she, she's going to tell me what she really thinks. And so for her to say, well, is restraint on her part. So she's trying to love me. She's trying to think about my feelings. And then there's times when I'll come out and she'll say, boy, did you study this week? You know, or something to that effect. And then I just want to say, hmm, I don't really feel like loving you right now. In the same way for her about me. There are times, probably more times, when she doesn't feel like loving me. But if I'm going to obey this command and love my wife as Christ loved the church, it means that even when she does things that bother me, get on my nerves, that I wish she wouldn't do, that I will choose to love her. This is what we need to understand about love. Our culture today, our society today, believes that love is an emotion, 
that it is something that you fall into. And they don't understand that love is a verb. Love is a choice. That there are times when it comes and it flows, but there are other times when it is cut off and there's not a drip. And it's in those moments when you must choose to love your wife. Um, my wife prefers to have the house clean and neat and orderly all the time. I do not. <laughs> I like a clean house, but when we got married, boy, there was a time of adjustment. And now there are times when I go in, I went in this afternoon, after we finished lunch, we got home, I didn't, I didn't even really think about it. I, I kind of wanted to go in and turn the TV on and, and, uh, and watch a little golf or something like that, but I went, I went straight into the kitchen. And I began to take the, the dishes that were in the sink, and I put the dishes into the dishwasher. I loaded that thing up, loaded the little tablet in there, closed it up, locked it up, turned it on, took the, the, uh, the washcloth, and I wiped off all the counters. And I did that because I wanted to love my wife. It, wasn't, it didn't bother me. I didn't go in and say, well, this place is a pigsty. This is just getting on my nerves. Because I could just ignore it. But I did it for her. And, and, and I, don't, I don't say that to put myself up there because there's a whole lot more times when I don't do what I really should do to love her than when I do. But that just happened to be one of those moments where I loved my wife as Christ loved the church. I didn't want to do the dishes. I didn't want to clean the kitchen. But I did. It's sacrificial. And that's small. But guys in the room, sometimes, ladies, help me out on this, the small things are what they want. <laughs> you know, you hear these guys that say, I love you so much, I would do anything for you. And what she wants to say to you is, just take out the garbage, you know? I don't care about conquering the world or, or you know, all this sort of thing. Take out the garbage. You know, pick up the laundry, whatever. But love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. By the way, just a side note on this too, as I came across this as I was studying and thinking through this, Christ didn't have to love us. Not only did he not have to, but he, we weren't desirable. Our society, a lot of our love is based on what I'm going to get out of it, isn't it? Oftentimes, people go after different people thinking, well, this would be a good move for me. This would be good because her family is, you know, pretty well off or this or that or she's very attractive or he's he's you know he's set he's going to have a great job and all this sort of thing our society bases love oftentimes on what the other person can give back do you realize that when christ loved the church we could give nothing back there's nothing in it for him not a thing what were we to give him we're like that baby in the arms of Jesus this morning. We give nothing except for sometimes little packages that stink. You know? That's what we could give to Jesus if you think about it. And Jesus loved us anyway. Secondly, not only should a husband's love be sacrificial, but a husband should love his wife in a sanctifying way, in a purifying way. Uh, look at verse 26, that he might sanctify her, 
having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, that's really referring to how Christ loved the church and his motive for loving the church. But the application is there for us as well. That husbands are to love their wives in such a way that they want to purify their wives. They want to, they want to ensure that they live holy and godly. And they don't drag them into further muck and mire. They don't ask them to do things that Scripture would condemn. They don't put them in those situations. If a husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, he will love her in such a way that he cares more about her holiness than he does about his happiness. That he wants to see her grow in the Lord. He wants to shepherd her in the Word. He wants to lead out in that. He will love her in such a way to purify her. I won't say anything else about that. And then in verse 28, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, um, because we are members of his body. The, the third way that a husband should love his wife is he should love his wife in a caring, nurturing way. More than just sacrificially, more than just wanting her to be holy, but he's going to care and he's going to meet her needs. This goes back to Jesus loved us when we could do nothing for him. He loved us because we needed to be loved. In the same way, husbands should love their wives in a way that they just take care of needs. Now, the illustration here, I think, is probably comical for some when he says um, he should love their wives as their own bodies. <laughs> you know, that doesn't give some wives very much comfort, you know. He's going to love me. He's going to take care of me the same way he takes care of his own body. Mm, that brings comfort, you know. He's going to, you know, I, I see him, you know, packing down the corn dogs and everything else, and he's going to love me that way. He's going to take care of me. I appreciate it, you know. That's not the picture. The picture is if you had something that was, that was sore or festering, if, if I go home today and I actually do some manual labor and I were to get a splinter, and that splinter were to set up in there and it were to begin to hurt it's not going to take me very long till I go and I get the tweezers or I get a needle and I begin to work on that thing and get that thing out. That's the picture here. Is that when I see something in my wife that is bothersome to her, that she needs to have, it's that I would go and I would care for that in the same way that I would care for myself if that were a need in my life. You know, um, my wife is a, is a strong woman. But the way that God has wired her, she still needs me sometimes to just be the man. To just, just protect her. To just be strong. 
to just come beside her and make her feel okay. She's not a very emotional person, but there are times when she just needs that. Men, sometimes your wives just need you to listen. They don't need you to listen and say, okay, here's how we're going to fix that. Step one is we're going to do this. Step two, this. Step three, this. Sometimes they just need you to come alongside them and say, yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's all they need. And in the, if you have to, you know, whatever you have to do, if you have to, after that, go into a closet and write it down what you would be doing, do it. But sometimes she doesn't need that. Love your wife as Christ loved the church as one who cares for his own body. Take care of her. Look for needs. Look for ways that you can serve her. You know, um, it used to be that it, it, wives didn't work much outside the home. But my wife works. As do a lot of your, your wives. My wife works. She takes care of kids, and she serves in various areas here at church, and she does all sorts of things. You know, should I come in and, ex- and expect her to just act like, hey, we're just living in the same day? You don't, your responsibility is just to do everything here at the house, and I don't do anything? No. I look for ways to serve her, like cleaning the kitchen. I make the bed every morning. I don't ask her to iron any of my clothes. I iron all my clothes. Part of that is because I'm better than she is, you know. I serve her by uh, going to, uh, to get my hair cut somewhere else. <laughs> she tried cutting my hair one time when we first got married. And uh, the clippers got close to my head and I heard, oops. And uh, so I serve her now by not asking her to cut my hair. <laughs> you know, I'll let somebody else do that, you know. Um, but uh, you, you love your wife as Christ loved the church by serving. Think about all the ways that Christ served the church. You remember when Jesus, you, you remember when he, he went in and he took the towel and the basin? And all of those disciples came in. None of them knelt down to wash the feet. They expected some servant to be there, but when the servant wasn't there, none of, not one of them thought, you know, I should serve my brothers in this. But Jesus himself, Messiah, Son of God, girds himself, takes the towel and the basin, and gets down and washes these nasty, grubby feet of these disciples. And, I mean, just, you know, a very humiliating thing. Not to mention the fact that in that pack of men that he served, who was there? Judas was there. And Jesus knew what was in the heart of Judas. And he served him anyway. Washed those feet. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that must have been like? Jesus didn't wait for someone else. He stepped in and met the need. This is the heart of our God. And this is how, husbands, we should love our wives. The last one that I'll, I'll point out to you in the text is this, that not only should it be sacrificial, uh, not only should it be purifying, not only then should it be um, caring to meet needs, but also it should be permanently. And we looked at this a couple weeks ago, but 
in verse 31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The old King James language here was to leave and cleave. We, I talked a little bit about this, that, that when a husband and a wife come together, uh, one of the best things they can do is they can leave um, their previous family authority structure. Now, what that means is, and, and uh, some of you may have went out of here and you may have thought, boy, that's really harsh. I don't know if I like that, him talking about that we should move, that we should leave town, get, out, get away from, from our, our in-laws. I don't mean that you have to just do it across the board. What I mean is when, when a husband and a wife come together biblically in marriage, what happens is that daughter or that son goes from being under the rule of the father and mother in the home to now they've established their own family. And they are no longer under the authority of parents. They are to care for parents their li- all their lives. They're never to, to get over that. They're never to get beyond the honoring of father and mother. But they are to set up their own home. And one of the greatest destroyers of marriage that I have seen in, in the past couple of decades in ministry is when a wife never left home and when a husband never left home, he was constantly under the influence of his mother or she was constantly under the influence of her mother. And every time they would have a little spat or a little dispute among themselves, they would run back to mom and dad. And I got to tell you, two or three weeks ago when I preached this, when I got to that section, there were some hearty amens in this room. And it was comical, and it, it almost took me back. There was a point where I paused, and I, I didn't know what to say because there was an amen that was so hearty in the room. And it was, it was funny, but the reality is it struck a nerve. It hit home because somebody had experienced that and dealt with that. And I guarantee you that there are people in this room tonight that know that. And if you don't know it personally, you know somebody that has struggled with that and dealt with that. So the issue here is one of the ways that a husband should love his wife is he should, he should set up the authority of his new family. He should leave, get out from under mom and dad's authority. Lead his wife to get out from her mom and dad's authority. And they set up their new life together. The other word here says here in, in, uh, in the ESV, to hold fast to his wife, the King James says to cleave. The, the word here means concrete. It means glue. That they are to come together in a permanent epoxy type bond. That they, They're not Velcro. They're not easily separated, but they come together in a permanent way that is never meant to be severed. That's why Jesus quoted, as the scripture says, uh, what God has joined together, let no man tear apart or put asunder. It's meant to be permanent. So my challenge to you tonight, whoever you are, is if you are a husband in the room and, and your wife is still living, and, uh, and she's still with you, you know, and, and, and uh, all of that, is go home and love your wife like this. 
said, boy, that sounds easy. Well, it's not easy. And I'm not up here saying that it will be. But guess what? If you are a believer, the Holy Spirit resides within you. And you have the command of God and you have the empowerment of God to be obedient to the Word of God. So quit hiding behind the excuse of, I just, I can't do that. Because if you are a Christian, you can. You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. The other thing is, I would challenge you, if you're a wife here, and um, your husband is not loving you this way, well, don't go home tonight and say, the pastor said, you know, because that will not help you at all, all right? And, uh, and he may come see me, and I just, I, I don't want to get in the middle of things, you know. Uh, that's my excuse. It's not the best approach. One of the best approaches that you can take is to sacrificially love him. And I know there are some situations where you say, you don't know what's going on. You don't know how hard that is. I would remind you that the last part of this says, let the wife see that she respects her husband. It doesn't say, let the wife see that she respects her husband if he does all these things. It just says to do it. And you have the Spirit of God too and the command of God to obey. Do it. And pray, pray, pray. Some of you are living with unbelieving husbands. Pray, keep praying, keep praying. I can't promise you that one day he will come to the Lord. But I can tell you this, that where you find yourself is where God wants you at the moment. And you live faithfully and obediently and you pray you trust God. And even if he doesn't answer your prayer in this lifetime, you're not living for this lifetime. You live for the next. And then, if you're neither husband nor wife, and you're just here as a Christian, a member of the kingdom of God, I would challenge you to look at this and say, this is how Christ has loved me. Christ has loved me sacrificially. Christ has loved me in a way that he is purifying me day after day after day. We sang in a song this morning that we will be there in the end because he will get us there. He will hold us. He has loved us in this way that he is stripping away the sinfulness in our lives and he is conforming us to the image of Christ. He has loved us. How many... How many countless ways can we go on and on and on and just name the ways that He has cared for us and served us and just met our needs? We had an unexpected bill this week. We had to take Lana's van to the mechanic, and that's never good, you know. It's 10 years old, you know, and it's, it's going to get to that point where we're trying to not have another car payment, but it's, I'm afraid it's going to get to that point, and we had to take it in. The bill was $575. You know, and I'm thinking, 10 years old, this thing's not worth probably $1,500. Are we really going to do this? You know that that week after we paid that bill, you know that week we got a check in the mail from where we sold our house and we had paid the insurance. Yeah, we sold our house, by the way. And we, we got it where we paid our insurance and we got the balance of the, the refund back. You know how much the check was for? $565. You know what I said to Jesus? 
I got 10 bucks. I'm, you know, I'm good. How many times could we say God has cared for us? And lastly, Christ. What more could He leave? He was the object of heaven's worship. And He left it. And He came to be our groom. And He came to make us His bride. He left all of heaven to cleave to you and I. He will never leave us or forsake us. If we are in Christ, you're never going to wake up to Him wanting a divorce. He has loved us permanently. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, your word is so good. Your word is enough. It is sufficient. God, I thank you for teaching us from your word. I thank you that your spirit is our teacher and he illuminates your word to us. This book that is thousands of years old, written by multiple human authors, in multiple continents of the world. It says remarkably the same thing, and it speaks to us even today. And God, we thank you for that. God, I pray for myself and for all the husbands in the room, for all the wives in the room, for the families. God, I pray that you would make us godly, gospel-centered, built on the foundation of your word and that it would be for your glory and your glory alone. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.